our God and our Father. Here we are in your presence. Speak to us. That we may hear and look unto you and live. Father, incline the hearts of our understanding that we may indeed live unto you. In Jesus' name. The theme or the topic of our discussion this morning is developing character through the word. And you and I are aware that from the beginning of this year we've been dwelling on the theme living by every word of the Lord. Last Sunday, my brother did uh, remind us on, on the need to praying based on the word, the word-based prayer. Brethren, basically, really, we can't do anything outside the word of God that will stand the test of time. That is, in a nutshell, whatever I'm going to say and what we have continued to hear even this morning, even in the words of prophecy that came, it is to the intent that we cling unto him. Now, in trying to discuss this topic, developing character through the word, I have decided to use what I call this outline, definition, and then man's character at the beginning, the cinnamon and developing character through the world. What is character? Character may be defined as the undisguised, visible manifestation of the inner qualities that make up a being. The undisguised, visible manifestation of our inner person. It is undisguised because you and I know, just as we are seated here, many masks are worn. Situations and associations have a way of masking one's true character. But one usually knows one's character. And, interestingly, the discerning often can distinguish one's character from the various masks that we put on. What are these inner qualities that go on to forming one's character? These are basically all the facets of the soul. All that make up what we call the soul, sometimes interchangeably the mind, and comprise our conscience, our consciousness, 
our intellect stroke knowledge, the thoughts and intentions, our reasoning, our emotions, our imagination, and then we say the final common pathway, our will. These are all that we find in the soul and in the mind. To develop character, therefore, through the word, presupposes either we had or we had no character at all. Or we had such averse and obnoxious character as to be called in lieu of better words sinners. That's basically what it is. Now, but we do, we do know when we read Genesis chapter 1 verses 26 and 7, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And when we come to verse 27, he said, God created man in his own image. He created us in his image. In the image of God created he him. Therefore, the character that man has now, inevitably, is not the character he had at the time God created us. We know that. So what was man's character at the beginning? God's image in man was a man whose every facet of the mind was attuned to God's will. Man indeed has God's imprinting. We observe that in the knowledge, we use the word, the uncanny knowledge that Adam, the preceding Adam, exhibited. He knew, even though he was asleep, he knew God did operation on him. He knew God took a rib from him. He knew God formed woman. He also knew when God would come around in the evening. And imagine all the living beasts brought to him. And he would look at this one and say, Look, you'll be a lion. Look, you'll be an elephant. Look, you'll be that. That was an uncanny knowledge. But it is a reflection of the imprint of God in him. And which is that facet of him being in line with God, we could say that he exhibited all that God wanted him to do and all that God wanted him to be before sin. Therefore, in this state of the preceding Adam, it will be superfluous to say he, need to, he needed to develop character. He already had it. How then did man come about losing this God's imprint in him? Or rather, how did we come about soiling this imprinting? I don't know if any of you have uh, read this book, book by Mary Corelli, The Sorrows of Satan. There's an excerpt I got there. Say, 
in the written but miscomprehended laws of nature, a diseased body is the natural expression of diseased mind. Now, most of us are in the medical field, and there's an element of truth there. We know that. Now, by extrapolation, one may also say that a soiled or diseased character is the expression of a diseased soul. The story of man soiling his character we know too well. We know that in Genesis chapter 3 verses 6 and 7. Basically, man tried and asserted himself. That was basically what happened. And the consequences of this was that we became dead in sin. We read that in Colossians. I want us to look at that Colossians chapter 2 verse 13. And you who were dead in trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your heart. Amplify say, our sensuality, our sinful canal nature, we are dead. Please, can we turn to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. And you, when you were dead, by trespasses and sins, in which at one time we walked habitually, we are following the curse and fashion of this world, we are under the sway of the tendency of this present age, and I, I, I just pray that many of us are still not under that sway of this age. We are following the power, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that still controls and is constantly working in the sons of disobedience and the unbelieving who go against the purpose of God. Among these, we as well, we once lived and conducted ourselves in the passions of our flesh, obeying the impulses of the flesh and the thoughts of the minds. We are then by nature children of God's wrath, and heirs of his indignation like the rest of mankind. This is basically what happened following our attempt and each time we try to assert ourselves against what God said. We walked according to the course of this world. The next effect was that every facet of our soul became corrupt. We know that. But although we had, and we do have, knowledge, it was not God-inspired. The knowledge became half-truths and outright lies. We are now, for instance, are conversant with the contradictions of so-called knowledge, philosophy, science, whatever spheres. Once there is not God's word towards it, the tendency is that it is fashioned after the 
patterns of this world and inevitably there are lies embedded in them. For instance, some years ago when I was still a medical student, we used to know that homosexuality, it was put under psychiatric disease. Now it is no longer put under psychiatric disease. Science tells us that there is a gene responsible for homosexuality. This is casting aspersions on God. It is trying to elevate man's thought above God's. I will draw your attention to a little book called Sodom's Second Coming. If you can get it, please read it. Our thoughts and imaginations became continually evil. We read that in Genesis chapter 6 verse 5. Indeed, we say that the thoughts and imaginations of man were continually evil. We were completely sold out. We are not conscious of God. Our conscience became seared. And so our intellect, our emotion, our reasoning, indeed every facet of our mind. The outward manifestation of this is the various vanity which we pursue. Pursue fame, pursue money, fashion, beauty, power, notoriety, wickedness, wantonness. The list is endless. The more actively we pursue these things, the farther we drift away from God. So may I ask, young man, young woman, fathers, mothers, old men like me, and the old woman, how much of God is in you? On a serious note, how much of God is in you? How much of God is in me? Now, at this period, this is Christmas season with all the hubris. May I again ask, what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? How much of God in the midst of the vagaries and the pursuits of life is in me. Now, obviously, for as long as the imprint of God in us is soiled, we will drift away from Him. And to come back to Him, we need a re-imprinting how then can we develop our character? Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God shows and clearly proves His love for us. By the fact that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In the states of sinfulness in which 
man found himself in which we find ourselves. When we've gotten our soul soil, God sent a redeemer. God sent Christ. Even before we thought of any way out, God started that process of what I call re-imprinting. Therefore, if our character must develop towards what God wants us, we must, number one, humbly come in penitence and accept the salvation provided by God. That is the beginning. This we must do by accepting Jesus Christ into our lives. It is really the first step. I know it is fashionable in our part of Nigeria to go to church. I mean, there, there may be some of us sitting here, look, if we don't come on a Sunday, it will be as if you are the, the, the most idolatrous person in your, in your area. So on Sunday we must come to church. It is fashionable. But you and I know that there are societies where it is not fashionable to go to church. There are societies where it is actually risky to gather the way we are gathered. Therefore, if in that society one is gathering, there must be something that must have transpired that make people to so do. And that is this whole thing we are talking about. One must penitently and humbly make sure that one has accepted Jesus Christ into his life. That is the only beginning of developing character to what God wants. There may be some that are seated here, but really their heart is not here. Really, you know, we heard in the prophecy that we must cling on to him. Some are counting, this has not been done, the year is running out, and so forth and so on. And so... Let me make another excerpt from the sorrows of Satan. He said, between the upper and lower spaces of the incomprehensible yet absolute, you, I, a finite atom of limited capability, stand uncertain how long the frail trade of my life shall last. None of us knows that. Eternity itself is like, you say, ageless, a circle. But what determines how we spend that eternity, God expects us to just make a little contribution. It's not even up to one over 360th part of that circle. But that is what is going to determine how and where we spend that eternity. Now, so, we are all uncertain how long the free trade of our life shall last. But you know what? Some of us arrogantly, we are trying to balance the question with our own poor brain as to whether I or whether you, in our littleness and incompetency, shall condescend to accept God or not. Some of us think we are doing God a favor by repenting. 
Some of us even think we are doing God a favor by coming to church. <laughs> and sometimes some of us even think we are doing God a favor when we sing praises to Him. My draw your attention that if I know most of us wake up very early in the morning, 4 or 5 a.m. If you listen to the birds, the swallows, come on, we have swallows here, around their garden. We can't even sing as melodious as they do. Not to talk about the 19 girls. Why is that so? Because, you see, somehow, because of our disobedience, that God's imprint in us, we lost it. Okay? So, if it becomes what I call arrant nonsense for anybody to begin to tell you that there is no God and you condescend to listen to Him or begin to debate whether you should give your life to Christ or not. You see, only God can satisfy the demands of God. Only God can satisfy His demands. Only God can truly atone for the sin of man. Because only he understands the depth and the severity of what man did. And it is because of that that he himself has to send Christ. It takes God to appease God. Human being cannot appease God. So, no one therefore who rebels against God can be expected to keep his place. What do I mean by that? Lucifer was, Satan did not become Satan until he rebelled against God. And once he rebelled against God, he ceases to be Lucifer. He ceases to become the, the, the guiding cherub. He became Satan. And of course he has to lose his place. Adam did that and became a sinner and lost Eden. What that also means is that if anyone of us refuses to accept Christ, we will be less than man. And we cannot stay with him. We will be cast to hell. We are over course of time. We become worthless. So, but through Christ, through Christ, God restores again this imprinting in our lives. So I ask again, are you really born again? For those of us who are, like I said, I'm an old man, some of you don't believe. Fifth decade, sixth decade, seventh decade of life. If you are to go by three score and ten, we are actually rapidly exhausting that little part of time allotted to us to make a difference in how we spend eternity. And if that is the case, the same question I asked before, how much of God is in me? For those of us who say we are born again, 
Let me draw your attention to Colossians chapter 2 verses 12 and 13 again. On where we read. Colossians chapter 2 verses 12 and 13. Thus you were circumcised when you were buried with him in your baptism, in which you were also raised with him to a new life through your faith in the working of God as displayed when he raised Christ up from the dead. And you who were dead in trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God brought to life together with Christ, having freely forgiven us all our transgressions. For those of us who say we are born again, we are risen with Christ through the faith of the operation of God. And we are quickened together with Him. To what intent? It is to the intent that our character should conform to His. It is to the intent that our character should conform to Christ. Therefore, for our characters to develop into His, we must do the following. Number one. Please, can somebody read for me Romans chapter 12, verse 2, really? Remember I said, whatever makes our character is our inner being. Alright? Um, the constant of our inner being involves the way we think, the way we reason, the way we imagine things, the way we even understand things. And as a result of our disobedience, our reason and all those things have become checkered. Therefore, there ought to be a renewal of our soul. A renewal of our mind. By so doing, then our character can begin to conform to be like it, like his. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Thank you. Transformed by the renewing of our mind. And for us, that renewing of our mind, the thing that will help us in achieving that is God Himself had already given us the blueprint we carried. So as we study the Word, as we meditate on it, as we pray over it, our minds are renewed. And with that, our minds are transformed. And with the transformation of our mind, our character develops onto God's likeness. Let's again look at Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. Please, somebody can read it as well. And Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. Second Corinthians 10, verse 5. We demolish 
arguments and every pretentious that sets itself against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Thank you. Colossians chapter 2 verse 8. Colossians 2 verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world, rather than on Christ. Okay, thank you. And if we look at that uh, verse 3 of that Colossians chapter 2, it says, In him, in Christ, all the treasures of divine wisdom and all the riches of spiritual knowledge and enlightenment are stored up and lie hidden. To develop our character through the world, essentially again, entails that we must cast down all those imaginations, all those high things. What are the high things, really? <laughs> you see, as a medical person, there are a lot of theories we carry around. And sometimes, when you have um, some of these will I use the word bad diagnosis and you tell the patient the next is going to ask you say doctor what is the cause of this thing let me ask you what is the cause of cancer we we'll read okay maybe virus maybe environmental maybe, but let me ask you do you think God created virus to cause cancer no what is the cause of malaria they tell us plasmodium and carried by mosquito do you think God created mosquito to give us malaria no. Okay? But you see, these are the knowledge that we have in our mind and they constitute stumbling block to our understanding what God is saying. They constitute high, high things. But God already made us to know because of all this, we rebel against Him, we disobeyed Him. So a curse is placed on the earth. And there's, of course, you also know that, that there's no amount of science, there's no amount of research, there's no amount of knowledge that we will have in this world as it is now that we can cure diseases. No. There's none. So, God says we must cast down those imaginations and high things that are causing stumbling block to our understanding what he's trying to say. We must bring every thought to the obedience of Christ. Number three, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18. 2 Corinthians 3:18. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Okay, praise the Lord. We are changed from glory unto glory, into the same image, even by the Spirit of the Lord. That's what you read in that Colossians chapter 2, 
verse 12 and 13. It's the spirit that raised Christ, that quickened us, and he needs us to cooperate with him so that we can become like him. We all heard, I mean, if you look at Christ that is our example, have you ever heard that Christ as a human being, even on this earth, did he ever mention that there was a time he was sick? Or how was he able to feed the 5,000? Simply, his mind was acting with God's mind. And so, he knew what God wanted. And so, he would do the same thing. Just like what Adam was doing before he sinned. So, if you are going to develop our character, therefore, part of, part of the thing we must keep doing, we must keep looking on to Jesus. So we look onto him, it's like when we go out to the mirror, we look up, we see our reflection, and the things we don't like, we try to take it out again. So as we look onto Jesus, and as we study his word, it's, it opens our hearts, it reveals who we are. The scripture says in Hebrews 4.12, that the word of God is quick and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Dividing even to piercing asunder soul and spirit. It's only God can do that as we study His Word. As we study God's Word, there are things we should look. Don't do it this way. I don't like this thing. For you and you alone is definite for you. Let me give you an example. Some couple of years ago, when I was uh, in Cape Town, <laughs> I think as often happens, the way the hospital was organized, now, we as the residents, there's a room, at the same room we stay, and there's a phone. I think we had about eight of us. I mean, during working, normal working hours. But I noticed each time a patient has a complaint, and believe you me, the whites can complain. Any small thing they will complain. Each time they have complaint, the nurses will not call the other doctors. I mean, they will not call them. We were all there. It became as if, look, must I be the only one? So one of the days I fled off. Actually, I got angry. <laughs> and... But at the end of the day, then my heart smote me. It was like sleeping on bed of thorns that night. So I had to go back to the ward. Made the nurses say, look, I'm sorry, and all that, all that thing. You see, that can only happen when our conscience is awakened. That can only happen when we are tuned with God. Otherwise, it will become the normal thing. I'll give you a typical example. Now the road is becoming busy. The easiest thing to do is to get angry, shout at fellow commuters. Okay? Especially when we do all this. You know, most of us, we don't actually know how to drive. Oh. Especially when we come at a junction. You know, we drive on the right side. But when we come at a junction, we want to go to the left side. That's what usually happens. Okay? And then, if you want to turn to the right side, the person there will be shouting at you, look, what are you doing? You don't know how to drive, and you are wearing suit. Look at him. He went to school. 
it is easy to get angry and flare up. But God said, as we look unto Christ, we are changed from glory unto glory. Our response will not be the same way other people will, will, will respond. I mean, what made people like, you, you all know the story, all the twelve apostles, none of them passed, maybe with the exception of John, the uh, Apostle John, when they have gotten tired of him, none of them, in quotes, died, in quotes, naturally. It was all one kind of traumatic death or the other. What made them do that? What did they see? So, if our character, if we must develop our character into becoming like Christ, we must with open face be holding us in a glass the glory of the Lord. And as we do that, we are changed by His Spirit from glory unto glory. Lastly, we must continue to abide in Him. Colossians chapter 2 verse 9. Let's read that again. Colossians chapter 2 verse 9. Colossians 2 verse 9. For in Christ all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. Okay. In Christ all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. In fact, all that we ever need are in Christ. All that matters are in Christ. And we need to abide in Him. We need to know more of Him. We need to dwell more of Him. Let me ask. You know, Nigeria, we have a population of about roughly 170 million now. Let me ask us candidly. Do you think if God were to come now in Nigeria, do you think we'd be able to find about 2,002 million Christians? 2 million. 2 million really. Just 2 million. We have 170 million. Do you, do you think we're able to find about 2 million in this Nigeria? I'm not talking about people going to church. You know that. Because the unfortunate thing that has happened to us in this part of the world in this part of Nigeria, is the fact that I think religion has beguiled us. I was at, I was at Amafa with them, and when you get there, you're asking yourself, this is 2016. Christianity in any good state is not less than 60, 70, 80 years old. So, must it take a century before we could make any difference, even in our community. So I ask, if Christ were to come now, do you think you find up to 2 million Christians in this nation? Okay, maybe 500,000. Let's say you find about 100,000. Do you think you'll be one of them? If Christ were to come now, do you think, and there are a hundred thousand Christians in Nigeria, in all honesty, do you see yourself as being one of them?
Let us pray. Our God and our Father, you have spoken to us. We cannot do without you, O God. Only you can help us. Only you. Please, Father, we open our hearts unto you. Help us to live for you. Let Christ be truly formed in our hearts. In Jesus' name, Amen.